You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you're indeed Locked On Magic. Happy Saturday, everyone. Today's April 24th, 2021. My name is Phil Prost, and I'm the expert insight editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore here with you on a special Saturday episode of Locked on Magic. Um, I did, uh, we had another check-in with our good pal Stuart Hodge, uh, who writes for Sky Sport, who does work for Sky Sports and has his own podcast over in the UK. Um, he's been on the show several times, kind of as uh, is, is an experienced reporter that can kind of ask me questions and get kind of corner me a little bit on some issues involving the Orlando Magic. Um, so we recorded it kind of impromptu Friday following Thursday's 35-point loss to the New Orleans Pelicans. And I was thinking of holding it um, for the beginning of the week. And then I kind of just realized that that would be extremely difficult to do um, because A, the games will keep coming. There's no stopping them. They, they're they there. Um, and, and obviously, with the Magic have a big back-to-back Sunday and Monday. I have a draft podcast planned for Thursday that is recorded in the can and sitting there ready for me to edit and, and publish. So you'll have that to look forward to on Thursday. So we get some guests this week. Um, and I felt like... It was important to get this done before the Magic's next game um, and before we get too deep to the next set of storylines. Um, and so I wanted to make sure I got these out there, public, you know, kind of published them and got them out into the world. So um, I decided that, you know, since we have two days off before the Magic play again on Sunday, let's knock the, this out right now. So we'll do a two-part episode. Um, we'll do part one today for about a half hour, then another part on Sunday before Sunday's game for another about a half hour or so. Um, I'll probably talk a little bit about the Magic's game against the Pacers that uh, on tomorrow's episode too, um, and then that should get you ready for that should get you ready for, uh, for the next game and for uh, what is going to be an interesting and hopefully productive final 13 games of the season. So uh, before we do any of that, before we get into the show, let me remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching every download podcast for Locked On in the team you're looking for. Just like there's the podcast here covering the Orlando Magic, there's a podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want the lowdown on the Indiana Pacers? Check out our pals at Locked On Pacers. No matter who your team is, whether it's in the NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, or College 2, you can find a podcast for you over on the Locked On Podcast Network. Search for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Plus, with the draft in mind, I'm, I'm going to shoehorn and talk NBA draft on Thursday, but Thursday is the NFL draft. It's the beginning of the NFL draft. Um, so you can check out our pals Locked On NFL as well as Locked On NFL Draft to get yourself ready for the big day. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. And I'm joined now by our good friend Stuart Hodge. It's been a while since we've talked. I'm glad to see you're still with the Magic or, or still still on the Magic bandwagon because it, it, it feels like they traded about half of everyone uh, these days. Um here in the last stretch of the season, we're a lot, a lot to, a lot to break down since the last time we chatted. Yeah, it's so much, man. Like we, I remember actually in our last chat, we spoke about whether the magic were going to pivot, and uh, I think it's safe to say that that was a pivot and then some. Um, yeah, from the, <laughs> from from the franchise, and it was really interesting to hear um, what Weltman had to say after it in terms of like the reasoning behind it and just just the way that the kind of chips fell into place with like so many injuries and and and, and the fact that they basically played the situation as it came to them and like there's a lot of emotion invested in it as well 
Like, uh, I'll tell you what got me right in the fields was when I saw that picture of Nikola Vucevic when he was a kid wearing a Bulls top. And I was just like, I'm so happy for him at the time. And now I look at the Bulls and I'm thinking, oh, I kind of wish he'd got a move to a better franchise. Then with, with Denver, um, Aaron Gordon's a guy that I've loved for, for years and years and years. Um, and like it's one of the biggest crimes in basketball history that he's not a dunk contest champion. But um, when, when he left, I think we'll come on to talk about this. There's a bit of ill feeling towards AG now. Um, from from some of the Magic fan base because of some of the comments that have come out. But personally, my feeling on that is that he's just someone that speaks quite candidly about... Um, and he, he actually, and, and you'll know this as a journalist yourself, mate, he addresses questions when they're put to him, which is what you want as a journalist. But unfortunately, when these sound bites get taken out of context, sometimes it can make people look really bad. And the byproduct of that is that players then don't want to actually answer your questions. So so that's the thing. And then just to cover, the, obviously, the other the other big man that we lost, Evan Fournier, for all that sometimes he split opinion, I thought Evan Fournier was a consummate, consummate professional basketball player for the Orlando Magic. And, yeah, I mean, it was really, really sad to see the end of it. And it kind of feels a bit hollow because it feels like... Um, it could have been so much more. And if certain variables hadn't hit at certain times, then, I mean, the Magic could have done something with that core. And it's sad to see them go, but it's absolutely the right move for the franchise. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought in the moment, I mean, obviously I was I was surprised that, that that's what the Magic decided to do. I thought that, you know, certainly after all the years that they've been down, knowing what they have kind of in their back pocket, I mean, I know, I know the Magic have put themselves in maybe better lottery position now, but they were looking at a top pick anyway. And so you bring that in with Nikola Vucevic, with Jonathan Isaac coming back, with whatever you would have gotten for Aaron Gordon, with Markel mm -hmm. Fultz coming back eventually. Uh, you know, it felt like he still had the bones of a real of a really good team. And then you know, obviously adding a guy possibly at the top of this draft could have been the thing that could have taken you over the top. So I didn't think what the Magic had was beyond salvageable, but I think. What, what's become clear, and, and, and I think that this was part of the calculation why the Magic decided to do what they did, um, but what became clear is that um, if they were going to trade Evan Fournier, which they were going to because his contract was expiring, they weren't going to resign him, and they were going to trade Aaron Gordon, you know, you're at a position where you're, you're resetting the franchise in a significant way anyway. You're going a lot younger. And, you know, I always said it would, it would take a killer deal for the Magic to move Nikola Vucevic. Um, and I think what the Bulls offered with Wendell Carter, who's a very good, promising, you know, kind of young center who just who needed yeah, a little bit really of a fresh good. start, um, and those two first round picks, uh, both top four protected, but still two first round pick, two first round picks, and with how much the Bulls are struggling this year, that's looking to be very prophetic. It could it could end up with the Magic with two top ten picks in this year's draft. Um, those are the kind of assets that kind of restock your cash, so to speak. Um, yeah, you know, I. I you know, I'm sure we'll get into this. I didn't think things would look this rough, and, and injuries have played a role uh, as they as they have all year. But um, you know, the Magic have certainly restocked their cupboard a little bit of young guys, um, and you know, we'll we'll see how they develop and and what comes of it. Um, but uh, you know, now the Magic are clearly focused on their future and and what comes more most immediately out of the NBA draft lottery. Yeah, just on the deals. Um, so I think one one of the key things that came through to me was flexibility. So see if the Magic are surprisingly good next year and somehow become buyers of, of, of some sort approaching the trade deadline next year. 
the magic now with that trade exception that they got in the Fournier deal, that is like the, the underrated bit of, of, of sort of stock that we've got back in terms of stock in the cupboard, as you say, because what that does is that gives us the option um, next year, or I mean, they, they might choose to use it in a different way, but 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 there's options. There's so many options for the Magic. You can package the picks and maybe one of the prospects and maybe get Cade Cunningham. You know, like there's uh, potentially, like what I'm saying is, yeah, regardless, no, 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 of the I, permutations, I regardless of the permutations and regardless of the way the Magic choose to go about it, they now have options to do whatever they want. And, and, and the that's a great place to be. Yeah, and, and I mean, especially if you're a rebuilding team. I mean, they, they cleared their salary cap books a little bit. I mean, they, they won't be they won't be a free agent player this offseason. Not that there's any free agents or not that they'd be able to attract free agents anyway, but you know, two years down the road, you know, maybe even three years down the road, they're gonna they're gonna come into a lot of money. They're gonna they're gonna have yeah. the ability to go out and make a move to to add something to the roster. So I mean, certainly their timeline looks more favorable. I mean, I think one of the issues that the Magic had with the previous roster was a, they were capped out so they couldn't make any moves to improve the roster. Um, and so their, their timeline was a little bit mixed. Um, you know, guys were, you know, you had yeah. Isaac and Fultz and they were developing kind of behind these, these more established players. Um, but you know, they, they were those, those established players needed to win now. Um, they weren't going to get any better. Um, you know, and I think, oh, I think the, I think I mean, the last time it was like, it was two teams, you know, yeah. and two timelines, whereas now it's one. Yes, now it's all now now it's all one timeline. Now, having said that, you know, my big concern for this team is they're too young. Um, there's too many young guys and there's not enough veterans that can kind of hold the ship steady. And I, I mean, I think some of the hope is Gary Harris next year and a contract year can help get the keep the ship steady. I mean, I think we're already seeing how much he helps organize the team and helps them yeah. just play um play consistently um more than anything else. Um, even though even if he's not the impact veteran, you know, I think this team right now you know, with the way that they're struggling really misses a guy like Michael Carter Williams, who just gives them a little bit of an yeah. edge and keeps them, keeps their energy up um, in, in ways that other guys can't, um, you know, James Ennis is another guy that just does a lot of really solid things, but you go down the list and you're looking at, you know, Marco Fultz, Jonathan Isaac, both guys under, you know, what 20, they're both under 25. Um, Wendell Carter, RJ Hampton, Cole, Ant I'm not saying these guys in any order now, RJ Hampton, Cole Anthony, um, your two draft picks, that's seven guys already. And if, you know, Steve Clifford prefers playing an eight or nine man rotation, you know, someone's going to get squeezed out or someone's, or, or, or someone, one of those young guys is going to find it difficult to find minutes. If you're going to need to, if you're going to add the veterans or maintain some of these veterans, like Gary Harris is, makes, makes it eight. Um, you're already at eight man rotation. Um, you know, you keep James Ennis or Michael Carter Williams. That's, that's, that's nine guys right there. I mean, is, is that, you know, there's, there's still a lot of work this team needs to do. And, you know, I, you know, I think my biggest discomfort with what the magic decided to do, and I don't necessarily disagree with their decision to do it. My biggest discomfort is the whole rebuild now depends on winning this year's lottery, getting one of those top four picks. Um, and certainly, you know, the magic have been bad enough since the trade deadline and, and bad enough recently to put themselves in position to get the top odds in the lottery again. Um, so, you know, maybe that helps your odds a little bit. It gets you, what, a 52% chance of getting in the top four, I think. Um, but that, that means essentially your, your team's future comes down to a coin flip. Um, you know, if the Magic don't yeah. get one of those top four picks, they could be in trouble. Um, it could be really, really tough to, to, to get what, to, to, to kind of make the steps you need for, forward. And, you know, I think, you know, a big thing that Steve Clifford's kind of said, and, and I agree with him on this, 
is you need to be learning stuff about this young team. You need to see this young team kind of grow and develop over the course of these final 15 games. And, you know, now we're sitting here with what, 13 games left. Um, and, and right now the magic are, are kind of struggling to make those gains that they need to make. Yeah, that, that, that is true. Uh, the one thing I would say, just to kind of counterbalance that a little bit, is, again, the flexibility comes in. So if the worst comes to the worst, the Magic are still going to get decent picks out of this year's draft, and you can definitely package... You can definitely package two picks for a higher draft pick or two picks and an asset for a higher draft pick. So there are options. We're not not absolutely completely hamstrung, but at the same time, there is there is an element of reliance on that, and it's going to be it's going to be so interesting to I imagine we'll ch- chat once again before sort of draft time because it's so important this year, um, and it's going to be fascinating to go through some of those prospects, and and I imagine you'll be doing that in a lot of your own content as well. I always make sure that I, I read about the upcoming draft on Orlando Magic Daily because um, it's, it's where you get the the feedback that pertains to to our franchise. the hiring expert for your company and what you really need is help making your short list of quality candidates it's, it's so hard going through all those resumes you need a hiring partner who helps make your life easier you need indeed indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one two three post screen and interview all on indeed get your quality short list of candidates whose resumes on indeed match your job description faster only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy with tools like Indeed Instant Match. Give your quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately. And Indeed skills test that on average reduces hiring time by 27%. You can choose from more than 130 skills tests then add your must-have requirements so you only pay for applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. I actually think I got my day job on Indeed. I'm not, I, I, I'm not 100% sure, sure, sure on that, but we'll go with it. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com locked. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. But what I would say regarding, I mean, you dropped the, the, the cliff bomb, let's call it. Um, there's there's a real toxic energy. We're, we're recording this on, on Friday after the Pelicans game and after he refused to take questions from the media and came out with some really, really damning comments uh, about, about the players. Now, me and you have said before that we have always, I think both of us have had reservations about Steve Clifford's ability as a development coach Right. Um, I mean, I, if we're looking I, I would, at his time in say, Charlotte, I would say. No, well, I would say. I would say this. I mean, I, I wouldn't say development. I mean, I think Clifford's a good development coach. Um, I think if you're committed to doing the things that he values, the the reservation that I've always had about Steve Clifford is he's a foundation coach. He's very good Dude, at kind of building building yeah. the foundations and bones of a team. He's not good at taking the team to the next level. So you know what he's done in Orlando. 
uh, is take a team that essentially was the same team uh, or a lot of the same players from the previous five, six years that couldn't win anything and turn them into a team that could win a little bit. Um, you know, again, we're talking small scale stuff. We're talking about just getting in the playoffs, but he's very good at, at, at kind of setting the bones and the structure that's needed to win games at a very basic level. We're not talking about winning championships. We're just talking about making the playoffs. The question with Steve Clifford was always, can he get a team from the first round of the playoffs to the second round and beyond. And, and he's never really had a team that was good enough to do that. I think he's never really had the talent, but it's been a fair question to ask is, is his ceiling just kind of getting teams in the, in the party, but not yeah. getting them further. Um, so, you know, again, with a team that's this extremely young, um, you know, I think that he's going to teach them the right things. Are they going to be receptive? Are they going to learn those things? That's the real question. I, 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 I don't want to give Clifford a complete pass because I think part of this season's failures and part of the season struggles are on him. But this season just goes against everything that Steve Clifford values. Steve Clifford loves organization. He loves structure. He loves foundation. And in order but to get that's those, not a good fit then. That's not a good fit for the well, franchise. Well, no, no. It's, 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 more, it's more about this season, though, because we're in the pandemic season. The, the, pandemic, the pandemic season goes against everything he's good at. He wants a full training camp. He wants a two and a half week training camp to drill everything into people and say, this is, this is how we do things. And we're going to drill this down. We're going to get these basic things in and we'll grow from there. Um, he likes to reinforce things in practice. I, I mean, I think it was Clifford. It might've been Vogel that said this, but defense is the first thing that slips when you don't have practice time. And the fact of the yeah. matter is the season, the entire year has been so crunched. They, they don't have practice time. Like I think the magic since the trade deadline have literally had maybe three or four practices in four weeks. Um, it's, it's really hard, especially with young players to implement things without going through it on the court. And it's not just about going through it in a walkthrough. It's about running it in live action. And they just, they haven't been able to do that. So I don't want to give Steve Clifford a complete pass. Cause I do think some of the season's failings are on him for not being able to adjust or understand that his coaching style, that his that what he values needs to change because of the season. I think he That's underestimated. I think That's he underestimated the season a lot. But um, you know, I, I, I mean, if next season's normal, I think Clifford will be fine. I, I think a lot of the mistakes I'm seeing are stuff you can drill away in in a training camp. No, and, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. yeah. I, I get all this right, and I get that he is the coach that he is, and and there was, I mean, he's been good for the Orlando Magic. You cannot argue about that. But is he good for the Orlando Magic going forward? So there's a few things that I would want to point out here. Number one is I think reacting with that level of emotionality to a group of young players risks alienating people in the locker room, like. If you're if you're going to do stuff like that, players for all that they sometimes say that they don't pay attention to to what happens in the press and stuff, like absolutely they do. And if your coach is going to come out and like pretty much rinse you and, and throw you throw you under the bus with the exception of Jason Randall, um, like that. And I mean the the Mo Bamba thing is particularly stark because it almost felt like it was aimed at him in terms of padding stats and blah, blah, blah. And we all know about Bamba's body language and all of these things, but he's improving and he's shown flashes of what and, we And in fairness, though, Bamba, Bamba was really bad Thursday night. He was really bad. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah, stats yeah, were definitely padding. Yeah, they were. But the point is, he's, he, you can. I think I can see a bit of an incremental improvement in his game. But he's clear. Like, I don't think you can deny that there's something he just doesn't like about Mo Bamba's game. And Mo, because there's no way that you neglect to play him as much. And I mean, if Ken Birch was still there, Bamba would be getting minimal minutes. Oh, yeah, still. for sure. 
for sure. Now, I mean, but but a lot of that is Ken Burch is a better player. Like like Clifford is going to play who he thinks gives him the best chance to win. But we are a franchise that, and like we're not going to have the tanking discussion. It's been had I mean a million times. But we are a franchise that is pivoting and recalibrating where we're at. So the key point of that is what you want to do is you want to develop young players and you want to foster a culture and an environment that even if you're taking L's, you are bringing these young players on and, sure. and that is happening. Now, it doesn't matter where, whether one of these young assets necessarily fits your rudiments as a coach. You as a coach should fit the roster and the franchise's alignment in terms of where they are at that particular time and the expectations and what the franchise is wanting to achieve. And Steve Clifford has shown himself to be more headstrong and stubborn than malleable and adaptable. I'm going to pick out a quote here, um, a couple of quotes actually from, from Clifford and, and then Jonathan Isaac. Um, this came from an article that was shared on Twitter. Unfortunately, I can't actually credit the article because it wasn't in the tweet that I saw, but, but I feel this 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 really sums up the nub of the thing. So Clifford says here, the nature of most players that you coach is this. They have a way that they play and they improve, but the very nature of how they play doesn't usually change much. A guy who builds his game around defending, rebounding, again, rudiments the Clifford values, usually, he says, that has to remain his strength. And then as he grows in other areas, you become a more well-rounded player. But he also adds, he's not going to go from being a great team defender with a defensive mindset to a guy who's going to want the ball every play uh, to play in the pick and roll. I don't think it doesn't usually happen. Now, Jonathan Isaac in this same article is quoted saying in high school, now, Jonathan Isaac is a guy who, elite level defender and that's what he's famed for and yeah, he's attacking game, he's shown little flashes of what he maybe could be but all of the, the kind of Yanis and Tetekumpo, Kevin Durant stuff's proved well off of the mark so far. But Isaac says in this in this article, he's quoted saying, in high school, I was the man. In high school, I was the guy. I was putting up. I had 44 one night. I was putting them up, all threes, two. Um, and then he's asked, would you like to shift towards that role again? Absolutely. I think every guy wants to be that guy. I want to continue to work while I am. Now, Steve Clifford, as Orlando Magic coach, will not let Jonathan Isaac... Now, I'm not saying Jonathan Isaac can be that guy at an NBA level, but he should be allowed to work towards that. He should be allowed to have that as a goal, as something that he wants to do. And he can be an elite-level defender that actually has a pretty decent attacking skill set, rather than saying, oh, do you know what? We're going to make sure that you get the defense right when it's what you're already good at. And that, for me, is the nub of why we have to say, right, the, the question really needs to be asked now, Steve Clifford deserves to start next season, on my, in, in my opinion, based simply on the fact of what he's done up to now. But if he does not show a change of mindset, malleability, and also in terms of his emotionality reacting, I don't think you can react with that level of emotionality with a young roster because they're so impressionable. And, and I think he's got to manage that a bit. Do you, do you not agree? And I mean, so, I know you talk to the guy quite so, often, so you know, I don't want to put I, you in a hole here. I think, I think, so I think what we saw Thursday night with the press conference that he that he gives, like he he does that. I mean, the cynical part of me says he does that to avoid having people question him, and so he doesn't have to he doesn't have to answer questions for why the team was playing so poorly to begin with, which is a reflection on him. But um, that's that's a debate for another day. Um, mm -hmm. I think he I think he knows that that kind of messaging. Um, a, it sets the narrative. Like he go, he comes out, does a press conference without, without, without that. Then we have to ask the players about that. Uh, and, and then the players have to, you know, become accountable for 
their own play. So, I, I mean, I think there's some strategy there to get the players to realize like, hey, you know, you're not just accountable to to me. You're not just accountable to the franchise. You're not just accountable to the or to to each other. You're accountable to the larger Magic fan base, which you know the media, you know, is kind of the the stand in for because we're you know present the media is presenting that information to to fans. Um, I, I think like the big reason that Greg Clifford does does those is to really just drive the point home that look, we're not going to sit here and look for moral victories. At the end of the day. Uh, when the score is tallied, there's a winner and a loser. This is a zero sum game. Um, you know, I was, you know, honestly, I was joking with some other media members, like how would Jacques Vaughn have handled that handled, handled this game? <laughs> he would have come out and he would have said, Oh, you know, Mo Bamba, Mo, and this is no, no offense, maybe some offense, but, um, this is, this, this is how Jacques Vaughn was and how Jacques Vaughn coached those early teams was, you know, Mo struggled a little, you know, maybe struggled a little bit early, but, you know, he got himself going. We're really, we're really excited about Mo. And, may, you know, maybe that gives him a little bit of confidence, but that hides the fact that, you know, Mo Bamba missed rotations, that he didn't protect the rim, that yep. he didn't rebound well. Um, I think that players prefer that you be honest with them, that you be upfront with them, that, you, you know, you, when they stink, you tell them they stink and then show them like, okay, this is what you got to do to get better. I mean, um, one game doesn't mean anything. Like it's a 72 Four. game. It's in, in this case, it's a 72 game season. Um, this was a warning shot because this has been something that had been building up for a while. Like there have been bad performances and, and this was just a cascading of all the team's problems in one game. Um, mm -hmm. And so Clifford Clifford at this point, you know, is, is putting it all on the players. That's, that's, that's what this does is it puts all the responsibility on the players to, to do better and to kind of get in with the game plan and to understand that, you know, that that results matter, you know. Again, I, I don't. I, no one cares. The, the, the players don't care about the draft pick. Um, let's let's make that perfectly clear. The players, honestly, the players probably don't want the pick to be number one because that's someone's job that they're taking. Yeah. Um. Let's totally. let. I mean, again, think, think think of it that way too. Um. You know, sure. Would they love better players? Would they love all that? Sure. But their job isn't to go out there and set the set the team up for ping pong balls. Their job is to go out there and try and win. Um. And. I think having that accountability um, is a really vital thing. Like, like sitting there and saying, and, and even even when it looks like on paper you can't win, having the belief that you can win, and, and knowing that you're playing a style that you're that you're playing at a level that you can win games, I think that's really really important for this young team. Um, if they're allowed to kind of make mistakes, but hey, they scored 17 points, they grabbed 12 rebounds, that's a good game. Yeah. That's not helping anybody. And and I think Clifford. Clifford, whenever he senses that someone's going to go in there and that someone's going to go in there and say, "Oh, you know, the box score stats look great, um, you know, but you know, you, but you lost by 35." Well, what does that say? I mean, you know, Clifford said this several times since the trade deadline too. Some guys, you look at the box score, it looks like they played a great game, but they don't impact winning. Um, and so I think yeah, even in this, even in even in this situation where the Magic probably aren't going to win a lot of games. He still wants the guys to go out there and make plays and play as if they're going to impact winning. He still wants them to feel that pressure. Um, and frankly, I think some of it is he wants them to be sick of losing. Like I, I've been on teams that got blown out all the time, like the like the Magic in my very illustrious, terrible basketball career. Um, <laughs> I've been in games, and I can tell you, like, and, and I was coming off, I was like deep bench. I wasn't playing. I was, I was, I was on the team, but not playing in these games. I hated going into games when we were down by 35. I'd I, I would have rather not played and lose every game by a by a slim margin 
than to be in these games that just don't have meaning, that just don't have any of what we love about the sport. And, you know, these guys, these NBA players are super competitors, but it's easy to let go of the rope. And I think that's the big thing that Clifford's trying to avoid. And, and Clifford's trying to kind of appeal to their competitive natures and say like, Hey, I know you guys are better than this. Be better than this. And, 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 and I think, and, and and I think that we, kind of, I think that kind of tough love, um, I think players, I mean, it can great, it can, it can get old and it does get old. Um, every, every coach runs their course. Um, but I think for a young roster, especially you, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to, you want to help them. You want to let them develop, but you don't want to sugarcoat them and make them think they're better than they are. I think that's a fair point. And, and the, the Jacques Vaughn one is, is quite a pointed thing. Now, I, I don't personally think that the nature of the comments that he made was particularly positive, but I get that the idea of holding them to account is very, very important. And do you know what? It's good. Yeah. And I would, and I would agree. And I would agree with that. I think singling out a specific player, like the way that he did was a little bit odd. Um, saying, you know, like only Chasen played well. It's like, well, okay, like you know, Chasen played fine, um, but but he was the only player in that game with a single digit, you know, plus minus. Um, everyone was minus. Um, but uh, you know, so maybe maybe that maybe that hints at something. But you know, I don't read into plus minus that and in individual game plus minus that much. There were good moments from several players. I, I wouldn't say the game was like completely lost. Like, I mean, they, they lost that game middle of the second quarter on, but. Can, can I can I ask a question on that actually? Sure. So he, he walked into that press conference and he was holding like the the NBA print off with a with the box score and stuff on it. Do you think he based that Jason Randall, um, like singling him out, just based on quickly glancing at that plus minus and thinking that's the stat that impacts winning? Pro- that's the stat not. that's about the no, team. I, I mean, I think I think. I mean, I, I thought. I mean, I thought Jason. I think Jason's been playing well the last few games. To be perfectly honest, um, just from what we expect of him, yeah. um, you know, again, like I, I've I've told this to a lot of people who are like, you can't expect this team to win. They're playing a bunch of G League guys, and I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't care how the bench plays. To be perfectly it's honest, like, like the bench, just, the bench is not no. full of guys except for RJ Hampton and Mobamba. They're not full of guys that, that I care about beyond this. I year. actually, I'm I'm going to contend with that. So uh, I, I think that there's something, and this was one of the things I wanted to explore with you. So of these guys, the Franks, the Kennedy, the um, the Jason Randall, people like that, uh, which of these guys have impressed you? Is there anyone you think that has done enough to maybe merit a permanent roster spot of these sort of guys that were, were basically testing the water with? Yeah. And by the way, good on the franchise for doing that. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think... <sighs> I don't think Chasen's a point guard, so like I, I don't know if he has a future in, in in the NBA. Like he can shoot a little bit, which is important. Um, but I'm not sure he can organize a team. Like the Magic's the ma- largely the Magic's minutes when he's the lead point guard have been really really rough, even when he's yeah. surrounded by legitimate players. Um, Kennedy's shooting like it was good to see Kennedy make some shots last night. I know it came in the fourth and the fourth quarter when the game was well out of reach. Seeing him get to 17 points, make the shots that he made. He's one of the few guys that shot well. Um, you know, he, I, th- I felt like he stuck with it, kept his energy up. And, and so I think that's good. I, I'll be interested to see how he develops over the course of the year. Cause again, the magic needs shooting and that guy can shoot. Um, mm-hmm. Robert Franks has been interesting. Um, I, don't I think, agree. I don't think I've seen it. I've seen enough that I'm interested. I don't think I've seen enough to commit one way or the other with him. I'm the same. That shot against the bulls was pretty. Like, yeah. I mean, and he can, epic, he's, 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 he's got some nice moves around the rim. He can finish, he can finish, uh, you know, a little bit in traffic. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's a, he's a decent three point shooter. Um, you know, I think he's still got to prove himself a little bit, a little bit there. He's got quite an idiosyncratic style though. That's what I like about him. Like he's not, 
I, I can't. You know that we normally you can pigeonhole like a player as this, you know, like, and mm-hmm. you can see that's the type of player that they are, like, I don't know, a stretch for whatever. I look at him and I see bits of various things and bits of various kind of players, and even you could argue in some things, yeah. bits of yeah. various NBA eras. But it's maybe just that small yeah. sample size, and you're. But I mean, the big, the, big thing, the big thing for the big thing for any of these guys, honestly, is is their ability to defend. Um, you know, like yeah. Randall's an undersized guard; he's not a great defender. Devin Kennedy's an undersized two guard; he's, you know, I, I haven't watched his defense close enough to really to really say anything one way or the other. Um, Frank's, I, I, I'm not sure what to make of him as a defender. Like Gary Clark stuck with the team because Gary Clark's a good defender. Um, the three point, like the three point shooting, was never as good as advertised. But Gary Clark was a solid defender, and, and that's why he stuck with the team. Um, the guy that interests me most is Dante Hall, um, because the guy yeah. just the guy is just I mean he's he, he he doesn't know what he's doing half the time, but he is all energy. He can block shots. He's he's active on the glass. Like when you watch him, and you watch like Mo, like Mo does like and and I I hate using body language because Mo just the way his gait is just looks like he's always hunched over and not playing hard, but. Mo Mo doesn't bring the energy that Dante Hall brings. Like Dante Hall, he when doesn't. he's on the floor, you know he's on the floor, good or bad, you know he's on the floor. Um, and so I, I I think and and he's got the physicality and he's got the the length to to be a factor. Um, if he continues to develop, he's, he he kind of reminds me of like Dwayne Dedman when he was on the Magic, um, yeah. where he's just like all he's just all arms and 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 energy and and sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad. Um, and so there, 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 there's something there. So, you know, obviously the magic just gave him a second, a second 10 day contract. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see if he gets some minutes, but like, you always know he's on the floor and especially for guys on 10 day contracts that, that can be a good thing. Like, you, you know, you, you don't, you, you can't not notice Sante Hall when he's on the court. No, no, it's, it's really, it's, I exactly, I actually totally agree with what you're saying. And it's exactly what I think now. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football's over. It's been long over for a while now, but the NBA, MLB, and NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Get real-time, updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sports book experts. It almost kind of it, it brings the Bamba thing into even more stark focus because I look at Mo Bamba right now. Everyone's talked about the wingspan and all of that stuff, right? But the bam and everyone's sort of spoken about the body language and things like that. But sometimes Mo can look quite forceful and more so on the offensive end when he's like doing put back dunks and stuff like that. But what I wonder is how much you can change a person's nature because Mo Bamba's naturally quite a sort of soft spoken, shy, timid kind of. Dude, like it comes across that he's not like a an extrovert, let's say, and, and big on, on on energy in everyday life. So when you look at his physical gifts or, or, or sort of how God made him, then you, you look at it and you think, right, how can you manage 
to stoke enough of a competitive fire for him to totally take advantage of all of those physical gifts that he does have. And that's that's the question for me. And what I wonder is, like, how worried should we be about the, the, the Bamba bust thing? Because now he's getting his chance, but it seems still that all of the stuff that you could have leveled at him before when he wasn't getting minutes, it's not that that he see like, and I get that he's not had that long where he's, he's getting like longer periods of minutes in the team. And maybe I, I, like you said, Clifford would like maybe a proper summer training camp um, with, with the knowledge that he was going to get minutes next season. Maybe that would help, but he's, I think you can see elements of what he's learned from Nikola Vucevic, but at the same time, it's almost like he needs to learn from more of a bruiser. Like that would probably have been of more benefit to him. So how worried should I, we be? That's what I'm so, getting at. So, I mean, I don't think Bamba is ever going to be a bruiser. Um, that's that's just not his body type. That's not that's not how that's not how he is. Um, you know, he's, he's he can put all the weight he want in the world. He's still probably going to be a bit of a stick. Um, no, I mean, again, that's not that's not the to denigrate him at all. Like you can, there are still plenty of centers who are successful with that, with that kind of slimmer body Absolutely. type, like miles yeah. Turner's one of the best defensive centers in the league. And, and, you know, I think he's probably a little wider than Bamba is, but um, you know, but miles Turner isn't like a bruising center by any means either. Um, hmm. You know, I think, um, I think that a, like this off season is it for Mo Bamba. Like he, obviously he's going to be a restricted free agent at the end of the next, of next season. Um, Wendell Carter's on the roster playing ahead of him and deserves to be ahead of him. Um, I don't think the Magic would, I don't think the Magic are, you know, against taking a center in this year's draft. Um, Bamba has to put in the work this offseason uh, and take significant leaps if, if he wants a part on this team, to be perfectly what, frank. What is, what is that work? What, 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 um, does, what does that's going to be, that's going to be putting on, putting on functional weight, um, putting mm -hmm. on enough muscle to take, to take the pounding that, he, that he's going to have to get inside. That's going to have to be showing and proving that he gets it defensively. Um, you know, it, it, the light bulb has just got to click on for him defensively. Like, um, you know, again, the big thing for me is, you know, and I and and I think this is like the super important point about all young players is, what are you doing at an what what NBA skill do you have? What are you good at? What what can you provide an NBA team? Because you know, like I, I, this is how I, this this is always how I approach rookies. You know, rookies, I don't expect anything from, you know, I, I just want them to do something functional on an NBA court. Bomb is obviously in his third year. We have to, if we're still asked, we're still asking the question, what does he do functionally on an NBA court? What does he do? Well, that's going to get him minutes. That's going to, that's going to make his him three point minutes. motion is the nicest in the team. For, yeah, exactly. Which that's is a, weird. Cause like when he's dropping shot. Yep. Yeah. It's his three-point uh, shot that is the that's the bit of him but, that I think is nice. But for for a center, that's it's good for a center. But is it good enough to make up for the things that he does really poorly? And the things nope. that he does really poorly are things that you absolutely need from a center. You need a center to be able to rebound. You need a center to be able to deter people in the paint. Um, you know, even though Bamba blocks his fair share of shots and and has some really nice blocks on his highlight reel, teams are not afraid to go at him. Um, you know, again. The Magic drafted him based on his wingspan, thinking like this is the next Rudy Gobert. This is Rudy Gobert with a three-point shot. That's essentially what the Magic drafted him as. Mm -hmm. And he's never developed a paint presence. Like, I mean, last night, I mean, Thursday night, starting with Wendell Carter out, that had to be his opportunity. That had to be mm -hmm. him saying, you know, 
I am, I'm stepping in for a guy that's ahead of me on the depth chart. I am, this is an opportunity I've always wanted. This is the opportunity that, you know, because the Magic have gone out of their way to start to, to avoid starting Bob because they didn't think he was ready. Um, this was the opportunity. That was an opportunity for him that he missed. Um, you know, a big moment. Again, you know, we, we talk about what the Magic can learn this year. This is an opportunity for so many of these guys. A lot of these guys are, are not starters in this league. Uh, they may not start consistently for the rest of their careers, and they're going to start for the rest of the season because the Magic don't have anyone else. You got to mm-hmm. take advantage of these opportunities, and you got to prove that you know, maybe you have that little bit of a spark, especially as a young guy with so much of your future ahead of you. You got to prove that you have a little bit of that spark. And, and like Bamba, you know, starting the game one for what, one for nine, um, missing like four or five three pointers to start the game, not being able to rebound effectively, um, like just just not being in the right spots defensively. That, that's, that's the big that's thing such, for me. That's that's a big thing for him, and you know, so he's got to come. He's got to get get into get into the gym this offseason. He's got to put on the weight so that he can take the pounding, and he's got to show, especially a coach like Steve Clifford, he can defend at a high level. And if he can do that, he'll find minutes because he he's got the talent, he's got the length, he's got all the physical attributes he wants. Yeah, yeah, he does. He, he just does. hasn't shown it yet. Uh, but again, it comes back to what I say about the guy's nature, like yeah. just how he is as a human being. Because everyone always thinks of these like super athletes, which they are in the NBA, as essentially their sporting gifts exist in a bubble, and they don't. They they're just as susceptible to sort of their nature taking over, whether they're hot headed or whatever, um, as all the rest of us human beings are. Now, what I wonder in that situation is. You're coming up against Jackson Hayes. You're coming up against Stephen Adams, right? Now, when you think of those deficiencies that we've just pointed out in Mo's game, coming up against Stephen Adams of all people, right? It's almost like that is the ideal guy to exacerbate all of the problems that you have with Mo Bamba. Now, I'm not saying that as an excuse for Bamba, by the way. I'm saying that as a right. So surely what he should do... I mean, look at Nikola Vucevic, right? Nikola Vucevic got better as a defender, and he got better as a defender by just knowing where to be. And that that was it. Like, he didn't have the gifts in terms of wingspan. He didn't have any of the speed of Bamba. He didn't have any of that. The thing about Bamba is he can be so slithery and quick and, and use that in such a way. But for me, it comes down to the guys. It's not a competitive spirit thing. Loads of people think it's because he doesn't want it enough. Can't be that. You don't get to the NBA if you don't have that. What I think it comes down to, you don't, you don't, is you don't get to the NBA as a sixth pick in the draft. Like he's got the physical tools. Exactly. You know, he was going to be on the NBA's radar. You don't get to the sixth pick in the draft if you don't have that. Have that. No, precisely. Now, see if see if that's the case. It's not a competitive spirit thing. For me, it's literally. It looks to me to be like a physical intimidation and fear thing. Almost. And I think there's got to be an element of him that's got to, for want of a less crude way of putting it, grow a set of balls and actually front up to these physical challenges in a, in a more robust fashion. So, you know, I've, I've, I've read a couple of theories on this. This is not pertaining to Bamba directly. Um, you know, Paul, Paul Shirley, um, he had, a, he wrote a book called, uh, can I keep my Jersey? I think it's called, um, he was a okay. journeyman NBA player played for like, five or six NBA teams played overseas for a while. Just, you know, guy that came off the bench. Like he, he writes in his book, like, I know I'm not playing tonight. Like he, like I, I like he's, he's, he's just chilling in warmups, like enjoying, enjoying the show. Um, you know, he was a chemistry and chemistry major in, in, at Iowa state. 
Um, you know, so so pretty pretty smart guy. Love our guy. Uh, and, yeah. and he had he had a theory that you know smart people like people who who are like good students and all that. Um, and and maybe this is just over just an over broad generalization, but I think there there is something to this. Smart people tend to struggle in sports mm. because they overthink things instead of just playing and reacting. They overthink things, and so you know maybe yeah. that maybe the maybe what what I want to draw to that is not necessarily the first part, but the second part. Um, I feel like, and I think this is this is honestly a weakness that Clifford may have with a young team, and, and something that that I think the Magic need to do is just simplify a lot of things, just make things as simple as you can, let the guys go out there and just kind of play, and you know give them guidelines and kind of a little bit of structure, but just let them play because because at the end of the day. These guys just need to just need to play, and as mistakes come up, you correct you correct them as they're coming up within the guidelines or structure that you that you've created. Um, you know, you, you need some organization, obviously. Like I, I'm not throwing all that away. Maybe that's what's happening, and and it just doesn't look very good. Um, mm-hmm. This team's just not ready for super complex, you know, plays or set designs. They just they, I think they need everything very very simple. Um, but you watch Bamba play, and it's like almost that he identifies where he needs to be, mm-hmm. and then gets there. Instead yeah, of right. instead of just doing it, um, and, and I'm like I, I like I, I work I, my day jobs in TV, and like sometimes you know like the audio specialist will hit will hit the wrong music and try and change music in the middle, and I'll just be like, look, if you're wrong, commit to being wrong. Like I'd rather like no one no one watching TV is going to know that you hit the wrong music, you know, unless it's like glaringly wrong. But yeah, like, you're, if you're right. gonna be wrong. Commit to being wrong, and, and so you know, like again, Bamba's trying to do the right things. I, I, I don't like you said. I don't think it's competitive spirit. I don't think it's necessarily even an effort issue. It's I, I think a he's had such a quick hook in his career that any mistake gets him in trouble, and so he's been afraid to make some mistakes. Um, you know, one thing that has to happen with this team is that ca- uh, players cannot be afraid to make mistakes. Again, if you're gonna be wrong, commit to being wrong. He who hesitates is lost in, in this league. You've got, sure, to, right? you've got to make decisions quickly. Uh, and, and again, whether you play or not, like, again, Clifford says this about Chuma Okiki all the time, and I agree with this about Chuma Okiki. Chuma Okiki makes good decisions. Um, like, he yeah. usually makes the right play. Now, he's not always looking to score himself. If he gets he, if he gets into trouble, he's able to get himself out of it. And, and, and again, that's why we're all really excited about Chuma Okiki. It's, it's the big difference between him and Aaron Gordon, by exactly. the way. Yeah, oh, for sure. But, but even Aaron Gordon, like, when he makes the mistakes... He he committed to making a mistake when he's like, I'm gonna score here. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna get my own shot. Like he doesn't second guess that decision. He goes for it. And again, it's annoying. It's you know, sometimes it's maybe the wrong decision, and you don't want to make too many wrong decisions. But in the heat of battle and the heat of the game, you've got to commit to things. You've got to yeah. If, if, you're, if, you're, gonna, if right. you're gonna make that rotation, you got to commit to it and trust that your teammates are gonna cover for you when they see what you're doing. Um, and so sometimes I think when you're watching Bamba. And this is on offense and defense. Bamba is just a little too unsure of what he's doing, or he's having to process what he's seeing a little bit too slow, a little bit too much, instead of just reacting. No, he's and not, you can go I, back on tape and, and through experience, Lord. No, this is how I need to react instead of this. You one. are right. You are. You are right. And and you know, the, there's a couple of cool points to pick out from that. So one is um, the fact that he has, as you say, had such a quick cook in his career, perhaps. The entire mismanagement of Mo Bamba's trajectory is a factor here because it's maybe a lack of confidence and assertiveness that is resultant from that. And especially if you are an intelligent guy, who's obviously Ivy League potential, um, 
as a student, then that's going to play on your mind even more because you're thinking even more about those things and the permutations of something going wrong. And also there's the fact that he's probably, because of that emphasis on structure and organisation that Clifford's got, even though he's a clever guy, it's like his brain's going, right, so I need to keep coach happy. What do I do? Do I do this or do I do that? And by that time, the bucket's been got, you know? And that is that is a, a, a really, really interesting point that you bring up and a really, a really important salient one, I think. And the one the one thing that kind of comes out of that for me, and ju- just as a second point, you can be a clever guy and succeed in the NBA. Look at Jalen Brown. Right, um, so it's not it's not by by all means that oh all yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I don't mean I don't mean to like no no I know that paint, like all intelligent people can't play basketball but like <laughs> no no like I mean I know like I, I'm a fairly intelligent guy I, I like I tell people all this time like when I'm on a basketball court I know what I know what I'm supposed to do I either a athletically can't do it or b don't diagnose it fast <laughs> enough to do it and and like I will like I, I can I can go through so many times and even when I'm playing pickup where I'm like I know I need to be here faster like you like I like like it's it's every basketball player goes through this and it's just the ones that are the elite basketball players obviously can do things at a much higher level but the guys who are even good at pickup are the guys that can you know wash away mistakes very quickly and don't think about them and B are the guys that just react quickly and are able to make plays because you know again this is another point that Clifford made really well um over the last few years he would say you know our problem as a team is not that we don't execute our plays we run through our plays fine we get to the spots and the shots that we want the issue is when you get late in the shot clock when you get late in a play when the defense has kind of stopped all the all the permutations of play because you got 24 seconds to score or to get a shot off um, when you get to the end, someone's got to make a play. We don't have the guy that can make a play, um, that can break down a defense that's set and yeah. knows what's coming. Um, and so, you know, again, at the end of the day, like you can have all these schemes, you can have all these plays, you can have all these sets that get that are supposed to get you good shots. At the end of the day, it's it's just about playing basketball. And and I think sometimes you, you get bogged bogged down a little bit and forget that part. That's what, I mean, now, and the playoffs uh, are all about that. That's what the playoffs uh, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. Um. The, the half quarter stuff always is. Now, I think the interesting, I think the really interesting thing is my my sort of synopsis of everything that you said and the conclusion I can draw from it is that I just don't think Mobamba is going to work at the Orlando Magic while Steve Clifford is coach, and that is that that is the thing because it just seems to be a clash of mindsets of styles. I think a new coach Bamba would feel like it was a clean slate. You know, and I, I just think that that is going to be something. I, I would be staggered if there can be one or the other is going it's, to going to go. It here. feels like it feels like the situation Wendell Carter was in, where you know Wendell Carter Wendell yeah. Carter had a lot of this. I mean, I think Wendell Carter played better in the minutes that he did get than Bamba did, but Wendell Carter had a lot of the same issues where the coaching staff wanted him to play maybe a little bit outside of his nature sometimes. Um, they, you know, they, 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 they beat the confidence out of him in a lot of ways. Um, and and I, and I think that's happened with Mo. I mean, I think Mo could use a new situation, um, for sure. Um, just a fresh pair of eyes, you know, Steve Clifford's human, just like any of us, when an opinion is set, it is really hard to change an opinion. Um, it is really, really hard. And, you know, I think that, you know, not that I, not that I think Cliff dislikes Mo or the idea of Mo, but, 
Um, no, at the end of the day, Cliff is trying to win games, and he just doesn't trust Mo. And it's really tough to gain gain trust, especially uh, yeah, as a young player. Yeah, no, 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 it is. And, and the thing is, though, um, and, and that's where my, my, my frustration comes with Cliff is that's – that that annoys me a bit. I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. Is that that yeah? I understand you've got to gain a coach's trust. Of course you do, but it's got to be a two way street with a younger team, and that there's got to be an element of forgiveness as well. And I don't think Bamba's ever been given that scope for sure. Because uh, and that's that that for me. Like so, what you've essentially got then is you've got a situation where um, because of who you've got as head coach, and as I say, I said before. The body of work that Steve Clifford's done at the Magic is a massive pass so far. Definitely a B grade, at least. Now, um, I would look at that and I would say, you've got a situation, though, where a number six pick has um, basically been blown by the coach. And I can definitely see I mean, the situation. I, yeah, well, I mean, like, like, there's blame to go around. Like Bamba hasn't played well enough to earn yeah, the coach's yeah, trust. Yeah, no, 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 Bamba, no, no, Like Bamba got the opportunity. Like let's not let's not pretend that this is just Clifford just doesn't like Bamba for whatever reason. Clifford doesn't like Bamba because Bamba didn't didn't do the things that he needed to do to gain that trust. And and sure, maybe yeah. Bamba should have been given some chances. And honestly, this stretch here to end the season is a chance for Bamba to regain that trust. Like this is this is the opportunity Bamba's been waiting for. Has he's, too much water gone under the bridge though. That's, that, that I mean that's a fair that's a fair question, but. You want to change someone's opinion? Show them that you can. You get what they're trying to say. That they're trying to do. And, and again, Clifford. Clifford has said that you know the last fifteen games of the season can be a little, little, you know, uh, deceiving. Um, you know, so he's he, he's going to take what he sees a little bit with a grain of salt. But if you do the right things, and again, I've said this all the time about Mo. It's not about his counting stats. His counting stats don't matter. Yeah. It's no, no, the impact no, 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 that he makes defensively on the floor that's going to get him playing time. I, absolutely, you're right. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I wasn't trying to pin it all on Cliff. I, I maybe misphrased that earlier. But my, my point being is you've got one or the other. And I, I genuinely, for, it comes back to Mo's nature as a guy again. I, I just don't know if he's got that tenacity, tenacity that, that pig-headedness that sort of bullishness to go and, and just change the coach's opinion because I think he'll probably be overthinking it. Um, so just to put to you as a very quick one or the other, um, if, if, if one of them is going to sort of fall by the, the, the wayside in, in the off-season, let's say. Now, I'm not saying that I think they'll both be on the Magic like staff next summer. That That's not my point. But if, if, if you're going to have one or the other that the Magic's going to give up on, um, who do you think is the more valuable to keep? Um, I think Clifford's more valuable to keep, to be perfectly okay. honest. Um, you know, I think Clifford's proven proven what he can do with the young team. I mean, again, it's it's all about if uh, Clifford Clifford has. I think his contract expires at the end of next season. Um, they don't want a lame duck coach. I am fully expecting the Magic to give Steve Clifford an extension. If Clifford wants to coach his team, if he wants to go through this rebuild. They're going to give him the, the – I mean, they'll, they'll, I think they'll be happy to keep him. I think that they really like the job that he's done. Um, They know, again, his track record is he does really well giving young players and young teams especially, maybe not teams this young, but young teams, um, the foundations they need to make the playoffs. Um, And so I think they believe that if they get the top – you know, a topic in this year's draft, it, even with a, such a young squad that, you know, maybe they don't make the playoffs in 2022 – but they'll be back in the playoffs in 2023 because of Steve Clifford and, and the foundation that he's been so good at laying. That'll do it for part one of this conversation. We'll, set, we'll uh, send the second part out uh, tomorrow. 
uh, on, on a special another special weekend episode of Locked on Magic tomorrow. So you'll have that to look forward to. Um, or if you're listening to these in some out-of-sequential order, you'll be able to go back in the archives and find that. Um, be sure to follow Stuart at uh, Haji the Hack. That's H-O-D-G-E-Y-T-H-E-H-A-C-K. Um, he... Uh, uh, you can find him on Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook at Haji the Hack. Uh, Stuart works for Sky Sports. Um, they have the NBA broadcast rights in the UK. He does some NBA work for them. And you can find him again by searching for Haji H O D G E Y the Hack on any um, pretty much any social media channel: uh, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, particularly. Um, we do appreciate ha- Stuart uh, coming in and uh, helping us out a little bit. Uh, and, and kind of asking more pointed questions than I can ask myself. Um, you know, I do I do recognize that as a solo host, I tend to drone on, so I do try to mix it up with guests when I can. And, and Stuart does a really good job, I think, of uh, getting deep into some key issues, which I think we we definitely did um, on this podcast. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic, the special episode. So thank you for tuning in. You can find the podcast uh, wherever you download podcasts: an Apple Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at Philip R underscore Dean. Of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com. That's going to do it for me, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this is Phil Ross. We'll see you again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic.